Welcome to the Title Run Podcast. I'm your host, David Bethay, joined by my main man and partner in crime, Scott, the Stat Assassin. Scott, tell the people what's up. Oh, sorry. The ping pong balls said no intro for me this time. And that's where all the fates lie. Speaking of the ping pong balls, this draft is coming to you uh, from the State Farm Studios. And we are unfortunately, unfortunately, interrupted by audio from my computer. I'm about to smack something. Uh, we're going to fire our intern. I don't know what Billy's been up to the last few weeks. He needs to get his act together. But uh, speaking of the ping pong balls, Scott, for the second year in a row, they really didn't fall the Hawks' way. Uh, this is a draft that a lot of people feel like was three players deep. And as you just debate about that, and after the first three people that felt like the draft is very flat, which could be good or bad for the Hawks, but this is definitely not the 2018 draft. I'll put it that way. Yeah, the 2018 draft was definitely a good draft. And the Hawks, I think, slightly outperformed in the ping pong balls in the lottery, right? Mm-hmm. I forget where we were slotted. We were fourth. Maybe. No, fifth, fourth or fifth. But we were supposed to pick like seventh or eighth, I think, is what we should have, what we rejected. So we, we did yeah, out. Well, we, we really technically picked third, right? But then we traded for the fifth. That's spot right. We traded down here. Yeah. Lotto. But yeah, I think we were slotted at six or seven or something by the odds. And then, of course, um, unlucky a little bit twice last year for 2019. And then, yeah, a little bit unlucky this year for 2020 as well. Yeah. Like you mentioned, once you get outside the top three or maybe top four picks, if one of the guys, the consensus three slides, then, you know, I don't know, from five to eight or 10 or something like that, it's maybe not that, not that different. Right. But just a little background, uh, Minnesota picks number one in this draft, Golden State picks two, Charlotte, which that's a, first of all, let me back up. Golden State picks number two. Does that not sound like, a typo like it's like last year when the lakers picked number two it's like what like but this is a real thing like golden state's picking number two like that's weird anyways uh charlotte picks number three chicago number four cleveland number five and atlanta number six so that's what's in front of us and uh i would say that with this draft the top three picks are probably your best chance at a superstar and be- below that there are still good players but you're probably looking at at best, really good high-end role players for most of these, for most of these uh, uh, prospects. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and I would even say that the top three guys are not really likely to be superstars. You know, this is if you kind of put prospects in tiers, there's not a tier one prospect in this draft. Nobody in this draft goes higher than number three last year. Nobody. Yeah. Oh in yeah, this for draft, sure. I mean, does anybody in this draft crack the top five in 2018? No chance. So. Luca, Jaron Jackson, uh, Trey, probably even Bagley all go and and um Aiden all go probably all go one all of them probably go one in this draft. I mean, right. The only way somebody from this draft cracks the top five is if Sacramento just really likes somebody and picked them over Bagley. Yeah. Bagley's a not to say he's a bad prospect or a no, bad no, no. young player, but he's a little bit of an outlier among that group, I think. But anyway, big picture, not a great draft, right? And the biggest thing is you're always going to have draft picks and prospects that have warts. But when it comes to drafting, I always say this, and I think you more or less agree with me. 
you need to have some discernible skill that translates directly to being good at basketball. Okay, so listen to me, Orlando Magic. Having long arms is not a basketball skill. Okay, I can say that about the 2005 to 2010 Atlanta Hawks drafts also, where being six foot eight was considered a basketball skill. No, 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 it's not. Being able to dribble, pass, and shoot, those are actual basketball skills. And so for me, if I'm taking a prospect anywhere in the top of this draft, you need to at least have a discernible NBA skill, even if it's not a sexy skill. Being able to play good defense is a discernible NBA skill. Being able to shoot, pass, or dribble, discernible NBA skills. For me, you got to have at least one of those. Yeah, I think the the way to look at it is you would really like to get somebody that is elite in, in one of those areas. Or, barring that, you need to get someone that is basically – passable in all in all of those areas. areas like Denny idea who we'll get to yeah exactly and if somebody's well-rounded like that mm-hmm. they're gonna be an NBA player right right and if somebody is an outstanding player defensively they're gonna be an NBA player if the guy's an outstanding shooter they're gonna be an NBA player in today's game there was you know decades past that might not be the case right but yeah so you want to you want to have some foundation. You want to have some way where you basically know this guy is going to play in the NBA for multiple years on purpose, not just because they're <laughs> a crap team. Right? And do X and well. Yes. You know, and then from there, obviously you'll have things you can develop and you know who you're picking. You know, you might be picking a guy with more athleticism because you think that has some upside or a guy who you think has a good path to improve as a shooter, right? Not everybody yeah. improves as a shooter. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people love to say, oh yeah, well, you know, just teach this guy to bomb threes and he's going to be amazing. And it's not always that easy or else everybody in the NBA yeah. would have already learned that, right? Uh, Justice Winslow. Oh, he'll learn to shoot. Mm-hmm. Never did. Michael Kidd Gilchrist never did. Right. And so you have a lot of, you know, you have markers there that people look at like free throw percentage, mm-hmm. you know, so you have guys that are good free yeah. throw shooters that can't shoot threes yet, but usually if they're good from the free throw line, they have at least some foundation of solid mechanics. Yeah, that's a good, that's always a good indicator. And so that's something, you know, for the Hawks this year, playing with Trey Young, right? If somebody projects to be a good shooter, somebody you think you can help them, you know, learn to be an efficient shooter, well, that's probably enough because they're probably not going to have to create a lot of their own shots, right? Trey will do that for them. And so you look at who they've taken the last few years, uh, Going back to 2018, Trey, elite passer. Like, I would not have said he was elite shooter in college. He was, a, but he was elite scorer. So, elite scorer, elite passer. Kevin Herter, elite shooter. Even back to John Collins. John Collins was an elite scorer as a power forward in college. He's like one of the most efficient pick and roll players in college basketball. I think he actually was the most efficient. Amari Spellman was the best shooting big in that draft who we took, who I would really not mind still having, I'll be honest with you. Um, well, everybody's trying to get rid of him now. The man has an extra hundred pounds on him. So. Yeah, and uh, but I mean, Damian Jones is a disaster. But anyways, we we digress. So first time, first time anybody texted me seeing Amari Spellman around town in Atlanta, Metro Atlanta area, was at a Golden Corral. Somebody was like, "Hey, I just saw Amari Spellman at a Golden Corral." Oh, I didn't really think anything about it, but then a year later, it made a whole lot of sense. All right, um, and then even going back to last year. DeAndre Hunter was considered an elite defender, kind of underperformed there, but he came in with that skill and a competent shooter. He was one of those guys that was a good shooter and was a good shooter last year, but not a great shooter. 
And then Cam Reddish came in with uh, elite defensive upside, ended up being a really good defender for a rookie in the second half of the year, a good shooter. So all these guys came with skills you could see projection to the NBA. It, it was clear. And that's what they've been their path. They don't take just pure athletes in the train in the slink era. They're taking basketball players, which I like. And when you look at the draft, the consensus three best prospects, you know, in some order by most people are in some order, uh, LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman, and Anthony Edwards. LaMelo Ball would not be an option for the Hawks, being seeing as he is a ball-dominant point guard, even though he's a very good player, or has or he's a very good ball handler and passer. James Wiseman seems very unlikely because, A, this is not 2005, and uh, back-to-the-basket centers don't really have much of a place in today's NBA, especially ones that are bad on defense and don't rebound well. And so the prospect you'd be looking at there would probably be Anthony Edwards, a um, shooting guard that struggles to shoot some time, makes bad decisions with the ball, and is not always engaged on defense. So uh, there's that. And, you know, I watched almost every game he played this year for a underperforming Georgia team that was poorly coached and was very frustrated. So uh, any thoughts on that before I throw a little, I want to say a little bit more about Anthony Edwards, but I wanted to bring you in first, Scott, anything you want to add to that? No, I mean, I think that all checks out the, uh, the one thing, you know, it doesn't really matter because the Hawks aren't picking the top three. So right. we're not going to have a chance to where LaMelo is the best guy on the board. Right. But LaMelo is six, 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 seven. Yeah. And so it's not crazy to imagine some two point guard lineup as a starting rotation of him and Trey, especially because Trey's going to be a good shooter. And you imagine that you could, you know, see a role where he's playing off ball at a decent bit of time and they take turns with the creation load. So it doesn't seem insane, but it's also not the kind of fit that you would trade up for. Right. Right. And I think the problem with LaMelo is, just like his brother, his shot is questionable, and he's not as good of a defender as Lonzo is. But also there's a question of, you know, Lonzo was considered a great defender at UCLA, but he gets the NBA, plays really good defense, has great hands. And will LaMelo have that kind of transition also where he has played defense, and so he does, and he's actually good at it. Because if you tell me LaMelo is going to be 75% as good on the defensive end as Lonzo, then actually he makes a really good pairing with Trey. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be, yeah, that would be an outstanding scenario, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, if – there was a world where the Hawks were trading up for LaMelo. It would be something like that, right? I'm sure yeah. they would be saying, okay, we're going to bring you in. You know, Trey's still going to do two-thirds of the ball handling and two-thirds of the offensive creation when you two are out there. But you'll do the other third, and we want you to put a lot of energy on defense, you know, start these transitions. You know, you're a passer. You like to play in this fast break. So start these fast breaks, right? And you can see a path to success for him on a team where Trey, Trey Young is warping defenses with his floor spacing. And, and we bring this up because it's very important to talk about fit with Trey Young when you're looking at where, the, where this position is deep at, which is guard, particularly guys that are ball handlers. And some of these guys are more combo guards than point guards. But if looking at finding a fit for Trey, well, you'd ideally like to find a guy that can play off the ball some. And so I think Anthony Edwards could be a possibility. I know one of the things you discussed was, you know, there's always the possibility of taking a big swing, trading up to two or two or three, or maybe even four. If he's maybe if Anthony Edwards doesn't go at three, trading up to four to get him. Um, you said that you put in your notes here that Trey Young and Clutch Sports are apparently really fans of that idea. Yeah, that's you know, yeah. that's rumor or rumor-ish, right? Yeah. It's probably one of those rumors that has a little bit of legs to it. Yeah, especially from the clutch side of things, I'm sure they would love to have Anthony Edwards be in Atlanta. You know, he would probably like that location wise. 
it would be actually a good scenario for him. Him, yeah, I, I think, agree with that. Right? Offensively, he's not going to have a ton of pressure. He would be able to work on refining his offensive game. He would be taking a lot of open shots instead mm-hmm. of jacking up contested threes for no good reason. Um, it would mean that he would have to really lock in and play defense Defense, and work on that. Right. Otherwise there's not a a spot for him. but long-term, yeah, it's, it's probably pretty good. And so that's probably real rumors. I think obviously to the owner business side, it's a, it's a splash. He's kind of a, a sexy player with a, you know, kind of a big frame, big dunks highlight kind of guy. And an Atlanta kid, which is always, you know, over, it's overrated, but as far as being marketable, it makes sense. And I had three comps for him because you know that whenever people do comps, it's stupid because they give you like a Hall of Fame player and comp that player to that. So, yeah, you know, obviously I was, Dwayne Wade is the comp because they're physical two guards, right? Yeah. Th- I think that was a tear. So when you say Dwayne Wade, you mean a two guard that can't shoot threes. Okay. So that's, yeah. that's awesome. Um, but I have three comps. And if he develops three point shot, I said that my high end comp for him is Zach Levine athletic guard that can score probably not ever going to do a whole lot else a mid-level comp if he doesn't develop a three-point shot would be andrew wiggins i got it's an above average offensive player who does nothing else to help you win <laughs> and then my low level comp would be a ben mclemore deon waiters uh ben mclemore being an athletic guy that just that all he does right now is bomb threes and he's really good at it but he was a very big disappointment and deon waiters was a guy that was kind of a secondary ball handler and scorer that never really panned out so what do you what do you think about those comps fairish <laughs> I, I will say the Deion Waiters as the low end, even for a low end, that's pretty harsh. I think, uh, I think Edwards was better in college than Deion Waiters was in college. And I think Edwards is a better athlete than Deion yeah. Waiters. So I think even kind of on the low end, he'll, he'll skate by just on okay. athleticism and, and do a little better than that. Um, I think those are sort of some general ranges though. I, I do think uh, Victor Oladipo, as a guy that you could get as sort of the higher end comp. I've heard that one. I don't, I just, Edwards wasn't a good defender in college consistently and Oladipo right. was, but right. yeah, if he becomes a good defender, that's a fair comp too. And he does have some playmaking and ball handling skill, like just like Oladipo does. I mean, right. And, and that's why it's the high end because it's saying it's yeah. what would happen if he gets the defensive effort and intensity figured out, because if he does, then, you know, offensively, you know, yeah, they're kind of secondary playmakers with big physical builds and want to attack the rim and can shoot a little bit, but that's not really their strength. So, but you'll also notice that none of these comps are Dwayne Wade, right? Right. So that's, you should not expect him to be Dwayne Dwayne Wade. Wade. And this is, I'm going to bring this up. This is something we talked about offline. Uh, A lot of people overvalue draft picks a lot of people also probably undervalue them but when you get into the draft you are not expecting a hall of famer just because you're picking in the lottery Mm. right and a lot of people that watch follow a lot of sports might think of it in the similar terms to like the nfl draft or something Mm -hmm. like this where it's like oh he's a first first round round pick. pick yeah a first round pick doesn't mean the same in every sport right and so if you're picking number one overall that's the only pick historically for sort of a median average draft outcome would get you a Hall of Fame level player. And even then, in an average year, that doesn't mean that Hall of Fame player is LeBron James, right? It means it's like John Wall level, right? Yeah. Where 
the you know a big time player, an awesome prospect, helps you win and get to the playoffs, but you know not really even a number one championship kind of guy. We have the difference between Blake Griffin and Tim Duncan. Like Blake Griffin might end up in the Hall of Fame, uh, but he ain't nowhere close to Tim Duncan. Right. And so, and that's for the number one pick, right? Yeah. So you get down to two, three, five, six, yeah. ten. You know, uh, at the Athletic, when everything was shut down, they started compiling ranking lists of all 70 or 72 or whatever guys that picked number one had gone number two, number three, number four. So you get to number four, and you're looking at, like, the median outcomes for number four, and it's Cody Zeller, right? You look at number three, Benoit Benjamin and Gene Shu, and most people probably say, what? Right, you're looking at the number two spot. The guy one notch above the median outcome for number two, Marvin Williams. Right? So Yay, we exceeded expectations of that pick. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the best number four pick of all time is possibly Chris, Chris Paul. Yeah. So, you know, you still got to live with that. But that's the level of player you normally get with an average draft. So if we're nice and say this draft is average and say that the Hawks do an awesome job of scouting and somebody slips, then you can expect a Marvin Williams level player at number six. Yeah. That's if we're super generous, right? Yeah. And folks have to realize like, yeah, you have number one picks like Tim Duncan and, you know, people like that, but you also have number one picks like Michael Oluwakandi and Anthony Bennett, like, those are number one picks. So when you're talking about the mean, there are times the number one pick is going to be that guy, even Greg Oden. I mean, and yeah, you have number two picks like Kevin Durant, but that's not every draft. There's not even a, there's not a Kevin Durant every draft. Kevin Durant is a generational player. Like getting Michael Jordan number three, he's a, obviously he's he's the, one of the two best players ever. So you have to understand that getting a superstar anywhere other than number one is very very tenuous. So. Before we totally bury the lead, looking at our number six pick and looking at it with the expectation of you're hopefully drafting a competent NBA player that you will have under control for many, many years. Because I, I believe the rookie, the rookie scale contract for those guys is five with the, with the chance for a three-year extension. Isn't that right? So you, you can control them up to eight, I believe it is. I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, it might be four. And okay. Three or four and four. But yeah, in the yeah. end, you get at least like seven or eight years. So, right. Yeah, I should have. If you, so what that's important is if you hit, you have basically a decade worth of controllable, partially low salary, um, right. competent basketball play. And you'll pay the, the second half of their, you know, rookie scale or their, the second half of their, you know, uh, rookie contract. I can't talk. All right. So, a um, few people I got. First of all, some of the options here. Killian Hayes, uh, combo guard out of he's, – is he French? Is that right? Played in Germany, uh, but he's French, I believe. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, another combo guard out of – another combo guard out of Iowa State. Denny Avdia, I hope I'm saying that right, who is a combo forward, played um, out of in Israel. Isaac Okoro, the athletic wing, went to my high school, McEachern, McEachern Indian, holla holla, and played at Auburn. He was a wing and – Obi Toppin, a forward from Dayton, and then Onyeke Okungwu, I hope I said that right, who's the center out of USC. So those are probably the most likely targets. Another one that I'll throw in there is Devin Vassell, who I'm actually a big fan of, uh, the wing out of Florida State. 
So you tell me who you like at number six for the Hawks, assuming that the top three are gone, all of these other ones are available. Who you got? So I think big picture what you're looking at with this pick is you are not drafting a center. Right. And you are not drafting someone to be your primary ball handler. Right. Now, Agreed. we mentioned it before. You can have somebody like LaMelo if they're bigger, you know, that could sort of split or partially split ball handling duties. Um, and that's something you would get with someone like Killian Hayes, right? He's sort of physically built kind of like James Harden. This He is not James Harden as a player. We are not trying to say that. No, but, no, no. But he's a thicker guard. He's, right. he's more crafty than he's explosive. And and he's like a 6'4", six, 6'5", six, kind of mm. guy. And he's he's thick and filled out already. So you could imagine a, a two-point guard lineup where, you know, he's a, mm-hmm. a bigger guy that can play defense. So to me, not an issue with having, quote, two-point guards, right? Um, so I think he's he's a good player. He would fit there pretty well. Tyrese Halliburton, I really think, is just a two-guard and not really a point guard. Guard, okay. Um, I, 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 I disagree, but that's, that's fine. Well, so I say that. What I really mean is he's not much of a point guard in the half court. Okay. When it's like transition basketball, he's very good at pushing things and making good reads, and he's a smart passer. But when you get into the half court, he – if he was a starting point guard, he would be the worst pick and roll point guard in the NBA. He can't create his own shot. That's the issue. Is that what you're talking about? He doesn't. He's not. He's not a great penetrator. Doesn't create his own shot. He is a very good passer, though. He has very good vision. Yes. Right. And and you see that when you get like transition or you know advantage opportunities, right? When the floor is kind of opened up and he can, he'll see the right passes. He'll make good passes. Um, but if you're imagining some like half court scenario, you know he's He's not going to get to the rim and like, create a lot of stuff for other people that way. That's not his primary thing. And he's not going to win and pick and roll. So if you were drafting him just as a point guard, I would have serious questions. Okay, that, that's now, fair. That's a fair assessment. Yeah. The Hawks, though, would not need to do that, right? Mm-hmm. He would do the same thing. He would have minimal point guard duties. He would just need to be able to do it occasionally contribute to a, a team that wants to run and play a fast pace, right. By having another guy that can push it and, and pass on the court at all times. Um, he's tall enough and long enough to play the two. He's more of an off ball team defender kind of guy. Yes. He's not I, great. On the I ball. kind he's of not yeah. super quick. He can shoot, right. Yeah, Killian, can really Hayes shoot. Can, Killian Hayes cannot really shoot yet, but he's a good free throw shooter. So it's that kind of yeah. thing where he shoots like 80 something percent from the free throw line but can't really – doesn't have much of a jump shot yet. In this case, I think Halliburton's a better player. Sometimes I think I would take Hayes for the Hawks over Halliburton. Hayes has a higher ceiling. And I put here in my comps, if the jump shot is real, he's got a super high upside. And people are actually really high in the development of his jump shot because he's got solid mechanics and quick release. And I put here as my high comp, if the jump shot's real, he could be Goran Dragic. I thought that was See, a pretty uh, good comp. And and I think he could be Goran Dragic. They could play a little bit of defense. Yeah. Or a little yeah, because he he, he does defend. He does defend. Right. And and part of the reason I think maybe at least sometimes I convince myself I like his fit better with the Hawks is because he's bigger and can play some on ball mm-hmm. defense. Yeah. Which Halliburton um, is thin and cannot do very well. 
Right. Now that being said, right, it's all the developmental kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So if Halliburton can put on like 10 pounds yeah. and get a little stronger and he holds up to be fine on the ball and is kind of a terror off the ball and he's already a shooter, then, you know, it's moot. So yeah. I don't know, honestly, it's the kind of thing where for me, I think both of those guys fit pretty well for the okay. Hawks and I'm not going to be super mad or upset that we picked one over the other if, if we happen to pick one, right? Um, and so I'm lumping those two guys together because they're both the combo guards that the Hawks probably mm -hmm. could pick and they're pretty good but not perfect fits. So but rumor is the Hawks like Halliburton. So I don't think there's any rumors of them picking Hayes. So he's in mock to the Hawks a lot. Um, my mid-level comp for a Hayes is if he doesn't develop a jump shot, I said Ricky Rubio, which isn't perfect. I'm just the idea that he's still a, even if he doesn't develop a jump shot, he's still a competent NBA point guard. Rubio's made a career as a guy that plays defense and, sh and moves the ball around and shoots just okay. I don't know if that's a good comp or not. I, you can kind of shake your head no if you don't think I so. I don't really know. I mean, there's not – I'm sure there are good comps, but there's nothing really that yeah. comes to mind a whole lot, right? Because Rubio's not really a slasher like Hayes is. So, it's like I said, it's not really a perfect comp. Uh, yeah. For Halliburton, I had – this is going to sound crazy. For his high-level comp, I had Malcolm Brogdon. A guy that's just kind of – he's just a well-rounded player. He wouldn't be as good of a defender as Brogdon on the ball, but he's just good at basketball. He'll probably never be an all-star, an all-NBA player. He's just good at basketball. And he's one of those players that makes your team better, even though he's not a star, and he'll probably never be a star. And then my mid-level comp for him was George Hill, which I think is a pretty good one for Halliburton. Yeah, and I think you'd be pretty happy with a George Hill-level player mm -hmm. and, you know – a Ricky Rubio level player for either of these. Yeah. You know, if you, if you're getting that level of player out of six, then that's probably above what's expected for this draft, to be honest. And again, people are going to hear that and be like, wait, you're telling me that George Hill or Ricky Rubio is what you're hoping for. Yes. Because you're not. Okay. So I'm sorry, but Chris Paul is not in this draft y'all like that. That's not a real thing. There's not another Trey young in this draft. If they were, they wouldn't be available at six. At six. Right? Yeah. So, Unless the Hawks were picking in all five spots above them. Then they pass on yeah. again. So those are the two kind of combo guards, right? And then there's two other guys that I kind of always link in my head, which is Danny Abdia and Isaac Okoro. And those are sort of your, like, physical, we can play defense wings. Of those two, I like Okoro over Abdia because I just think that Okoro – is a much better athlete and so if you're going to be taking a wing to be your sort of defensive type of wing give me the really good athletic guy you know they're both pretty big and he's really big and physical he's the kind of guy you know you have on your ceiling for him listed as Andre Iguodala yeah. where it's the kind of guy that can contribute on offense for like a really good team and then just go be that high energy, really physical wing defender. Yeah. Which would be great. And I think his ceiling is higher than, than Denny's. And it so, is. Yeah. To me, Denny, and I like, and I favor Denny Abdia. Uh, he's, and just for the record, of course, about six, seven. If you haven't seen him, he looks like He Man. Um, and he has bounce for days. He is that prototypical, like springy pogo stick legs wing that can play defense take a shot off the glass and then go down and dunk so like he's a crazy good athlete Denny idea is probably as far away from that as you can possibly picture he looks kind of like an accountant uh 
he is, uh, but he's one of those guys that you talked about, Scott, where he's kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. He's not bad at anything, but he's not great at anything. He's a way better defender than you think he's going to be. Um, good, but he's a positional defender. He's pesky. He's going to move his feet. He's not going to go on pump fakes. He's going to keep him. He's going to stay down. Um, he's going to rotate every now and then. He'll block a shot. He can every now and then switch over to a big and play down in the post. His shot is okay, but not great. He's a good but not great passer. He's not really a secondary ball handler. He's just a good overall, a good all around basketball player. And I think he's probably a safer pick, but he has way lower up, way less upside than a core. I actually agree with that. Yeah, and and honestly, for both of these guys, the shooting will be the thing that yeah. you know they might struggle with. If, if either of these guys never turns into a starter, then it's going to be because they could just never shoot, shoot yeah. at all. Which right now, neither of them really can. So this is yeah. a realistic possibility. And the big thing um, with Evdia, his three point percentages are like thirty three percent, which isn't terrible, but his free throw percentage is like fifty eight percent, which is not a good indicator developing a strong shot right hey a lot of times when when it's that low when your free throw percentage is that low yeah then the expected normal outcome is you will just never be a good shooter period now that's not on many attempts but that's still a terrible percentage well and that's the thing though it's when his free throws it's easy to get enough free throws for it to be meaningful attempts right it's not like three-point percentage where somebody isn't really a three-point shooter so you know, they only shot 27 threes over the whole season. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, well, one good game or one bad game could like really screw that. Um, you know, Okoro is not a good shooter. Shot no. 29% from three at Auburn. He also shot 67% from the free throw line. That's not good. No. That's like 15 percentage points higher than, than Denny, right? Yeah. Or something stupid. So, so yeah, in that case – I think Okoro has a little bit better upside defensively because of the athleticism. Yeah. And I think he has a little bit better chance of turning into a, an okay shooter. So to me, I, I would take him. I wouldn't think too much about that. Like I said, with Hayes versus Halliburton, you know, kind of either one is fine. I don't, I don't know enough to really, you know, have a, a strong opinion because I think they're pretty close. But. And with Abdia, you know, if the shot does come around, my comp for him was Chandler Parsons, just a guy that's just a solid basketball player. And I know that's that's a that's like a butt of jokes for Hawks fans, but you have to picture like Houston Chandler Parsons when he was healthy like 10 years ago <laughs> coming out of Florida, where he's just a good basketball player. He's a big wing that can play multiple positions and knock down some shots. And that's it. But again, that's, you're talking about ceiling. You're talking about a really good role player. Um. Mm-hmm. Moving along, one more wing we have to discuss. I love Devin Vassell. Yes. Um, I think he is like that prototypical 3 and D wing prospect. He's like got super active hands. He forces a lot of steals. He's like 6'8", 6'9". I, I don't think he's quite as good on defense as Okoro, but he is a way better shooter than Okoro and Abdia, without, I mean, without question. He was, a, he was a knockdown shooter, 40% at Florida State. Oh, I yeah. think he's a really intriguing prospect. You probably can't take him at six. You know, honestly – if you told me that you had a crystal ball and said that Halliburton went at five and or four or something, and the Hawks took Devin Vassell at six, I wouldn't be that shocked. A lot of people have Vassell more around the 10. 10, spot, yeah. But that's the thing, right? We already said the difference between four and 10 is basically nothing. Not that much. Right? There are people that have 
Killian Hayes as the number one draft, mm-hmm. number one on yep. their board. That was that was people, not uncommon. Yeah, there's other people that have him like twentieth, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, if you go by the average composite of everything, you might get to the Hawks at six and say, "Oh, no way, they'll take Vassell. He's a, averages the ninth best player." Well, if the Hawks have him at four, and had Halliburton at three, then guess what? Like they might just be taking Vassell at six. So. Just to give you an idea, he is probably as good of a defender as Cam Reddish, um, and he is a better shooter than both Reddish and DeAndre Hunter by a significant margin. Right, and that's not necessarily to say that he's going to immediately be a better player than them. No, it does not mean right. he'll be a better player. Right, the, the difference is Vassell is – he's thin. He's pretty skinny. Mm-hmm. So, right, like right now DeAndre Hunter, you could see a world where – he plays four in a small mm-hmm. ball lineup and mm-hmm. he can hold up okay, right? Devin Vassell has the height and length, I think, to do that. Uh, he would get smashed. They would yeah. just decide to like start posting him, even even in 2020 when nobody wants to post anything, right? That's what and, would happen to Abdia too. Abdi, that, right. that would happen to Abdia too. And Vassell, you know, definitely a better shooter than Reddish at this stage in the game, yeah. at, you know, relatively speaking. Uh Vassell also not really going to do much creation. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's about all he does is he right. is a catch-and-shoot bomber, and he's good at it. Right. And so, you know, that's the idea for Reddish is to be able to be, you know, a, a second or third creator a little bit, right, off closeouts and, and things like that. That's not really Vassell. That's not to say anything no. bad about no. him, just to say that they're they're different. But, yeah, I mean, he's – He's going to be – he's got the right size, like height and length. He's going to play some defense, and he's going to shoot the ball. So he's going to probably be an NBA player for a decade, right? I'm okay with that pick if you tell me Hayes and Halliburton are both off the board because a couple of the other people we mentioned are people the Hawks should not take. Onyeke Okongwu is someone the Hawks should not take because they do not need bigs. He's probably a lot better prospect than Bruno Fernando. But you're probably going to play him at center where you already have two other players. Because you're probably going to play John Collins as your starting small forward, excuse me, your starting power forward with DeAndre Hunter sliding over to four when he's out of the game. Right. If you didn't have Clint Capella, then he makes a lot of sense. would be a great pick at six. Mm-hmm. It would be the kind of thing where you mm-hmm. say, wow, look at that. He's got a chance to start or split time as a rookie. Long term, he would be your starter. And you might be saying, hey, we might have just got the third or fourth best player in the draft that happened to fall to six because positional fit and need worked out for us and not for other right. people. Now, they do, in fact, have Clint Capella. So barring some sort of trade there, Okongwu might fall to seven, eight, nine, ten, and still end up being the third, fourth, fifth best player in the draft possibly for somebody else. And this goes back to the whole idea of don't play, don't draft for need, take best player available. That's true when there's a clear difference between players. In a draft that is flat, where the difference between four and ten isn't that different, it's okay to draft according to fit. Because if you think this player is an 81 and the other player is an 80, and the 81 is like a 2% fit for your team, and the 80 is like an 80% fit for your team, you should take the better fit. And speaking of best player available, we have not mentioned who I think is one of the best players in this draft, at least offensively, and that's Obi Toppin who is another player that the Hawks absolutely should not draft because he is basically John Collins. Yeah, he's they're basically the same age, right? They actually are the same age. They are 22. 
Yeah. So, which is just crazy. Great. And he's, uh, he is an all offense, no defense kind of prospect. He's really which, good at offense though. Yeah. And John Collins was all offense, no defense. And now he has worked his way into all offense and, you know, just a some defense subtle undertones of defense right if this is like coffee snob he would be like the fourth flavor listed on there would be like some defense but Man, he's fun to watch. yeah he just uh Toppin and collins are very redundant so it's hard to see a world where that happens so the only way you should take obi Toppin is if you are planning to trade john collins i mean because yeah. that's how redundant they are i mean they're the same player so okay so in summary here hawks priority should be combo guard if not available go with the the best wing you know we disagree you know we have some variations on that, that who that is but do you agree guard first then then go to yeah. the wing yeah maybe i mean i might even be a little bit um agnostic about whether it should be a combo guard okay. or a wing guy i'm because i look at the, the combo guards that the hawks are picking and we're really only playing them at two maybe some at one but really at two. So yeah, I think whichever guy you think is the best there, but if it's going to be Halliburton or Killian Hayes or Okoro or Vassell, I, I think they're all pretty good players that would fit well with the Hawks. And here's so. the other difficulty with this. Some of this is hard to project. We don't know who the Hawks are going to have on their roster. The Hawks, I think currently have eight players in their roster. So they will be signing a lot of players. And so if you're going to bring back Jeff T to run your second unit, then it maybe is more attractive to take a wing. If you're going to go super cheap at backup point guard, then maybe you do want a guy that can run your second unit like a Killian Hayes. So I think some of that has to play in how you construct your team. So they're going to take one of these players, we hope that's going to help their team. And then the prob- that'll probably kind of inform their free agency. So if you go take Devin Vassell, you may not be as likely to go sign three wings that can bomb threes. You're probably going to prioritize backup point guard and et cetera. And – and as much as we say that the draft will inform the free agency choices, um, it's really also kind of true that NBA teams are known for speaking to free agents Never. long before they are technically allowed to do so, uh, allegedly. So it may also be very possible that despite free agency being a couple of days after the draft, some preliminary free agency discussions and verbal agreements may also be driving some of your draft decisions, right? You know, if you've already talked to a bunch of guys on the wing that are free agents and, you know, already have some understandings in place, well, then, yeah, maybe maybe you're going combo guard over wing for that reason. So that comes that brings us to a perfect stopping point for this. So check back for part two of this podcast in a few days where we talk about the Hawks free agency options, what they are and what we think they should do. The Hawks have a ton of cap space. We'll break down their cap space, some of the moves they can make. So. For this podcast, this is David Bethay and Scott the Stat Assassin. Go Hawks. Don't pass on Chris Paul. (laughs) That would kill me. That's it for today, folks. Thank y'all for listening.